Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marshall McLennan. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, John Jenkins. John, thanks for joining today. Uh, thank you, Mark. It's the first time I've ever been called a celebrity in any capacity. I'm going to have to make sure my <laughs> wife watches this. <laughs> so, so John, um, you know, I, I get your I get your notice from the corporate council.net all the time, and I really enjoy that publication. Um, I know that you're also a partner over at the Calfee firm. My question right. to you is, how does a guy who's growing up in Rochester, New York, end up becoming one of the, you know, the main centers for M&A news, um, you know, uh, across the U.S.? Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, um, uh, it, it was a, a long and kind of strange path. I, uh, uh, to make a long story short, I was asked to give a presentation at the ABA meeting, business section meeting in 2003, and uh, uh, shortly after that, Rock Romanek, who uh, is a name that we've known to many in the legal community, uh, and was the kind of the, the, the uh, founding father of the corporate council.net, uh, reached out to me to talk about that presentation, asked me to become one on his board of advisors, subsequently did a lot of, uh, uh, wrote a lot of articles for him. I've, I've, I taught M&A for 10 years at uh, a law school uh, in Cleveland, Cleveland State University, and um, uh, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, he'd asked me to, to join him and, and work on the sites with him. And so I've, uh, since 2016, in addition to my, my legal practice, I have been uh, blogging and hosting webcasts and uh, editing newsletters uh, for the corporate council.net and, uh, and dealawyers.com. Sure, sure. So let, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, I know we're really going to focus on M&A today. So my first question is really, how does cybersecurity interplay with M&A transactions? Well, it's, it's uh, becoming an increasingly big component uh, that has to be addressed in any kind of, a, of an M&A transaction. You know, it's, and it's from a standing start. You know, five or six years ago, we probably wouldn't have been having this conversation. It was just sure. not an issue that was really on folks' radar screens the way that uh, it has become. But it's all, you know, uh, there's increasing regulation. There is increasing, obviously, concerns. And you've, people have seen the devastating impact of, that cyber breaches can have and, uh, you know, privacy concerns. You're talking about very, very big liability. Uh, and again, it's also as you know, a lot of the deals have been in in cyber sensitive space in in, uh, in recent years. I mean, you know, tech deals have been booming. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know, the, those issues are always front and center. Consumer facing deals are booming, and uh, you know, data breaches there, privacy concerns are uh, are huge issues. They're things that need to be addressed in in uh, in, in the due diligence process in the negotiation uh, of your M&A agreements. How do you allocate the risks? How do you address the risks? Uh, ultimately, these can be valuation issues as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, because there, there's, there's only so much protection you can give yourself. Uh, and, and sometimes you can't, really, you can't really put a box around the potential exposure there. So you, you, know, you end up with a situation where you're either gonna discount what you're gonna pay or you're gonna walk away. Uh, so it, you know, it comes up in, in that process too. And then really smart buyers uh, uh, from the outset start thinking about the post-closing issues, the integration, 
compliance issues. You know, if you, uh, if, if you never had European operations, uh, you know, and now you have, uh, you know, European uh, operations or contacts with Europe as part of your business, you know, you've got the, you know, GDPR uh, compliance to, to ramp up. Sure. Um, so uh, there, there are all sorts of, uh, of issues that come up. And uh, I think it's really become, <clears throat> you know, over the past four or five years, you're seeing these reps in almost every deal. You're seeing cyber privacy being addressed in, in almost every transaction in, uh, uh, in in one form or another, and, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of the, the diligence process uh, for uh, for every deal. Sure, sure. So when you when you're advising a you know a potential client or you know a current engagement, um, and they say you know who's really uh, who's in charge of assessing cybersecurity in an M and A deal. Is it the CEO? Is it the insurance broker? Is it the IT team? Is it the, uh, the attorney? Um, uh, a lot of times it's all of the above. Um, to a certain extent, uh, I think it, it very much depends on the level of sophistication of the parties involved, the size of their own you know, uh, IT and, and information security uh, uh, function internally, their capabilities, a lot of times their experience uh, in, in doing deals. You know, if you have someone who is who's very frequently involved in in M and A, chances are they will have built up an infrastructure, particularly if they're in an area, of, uh, you know, uh, tech or uh, an area of national security concern or otherwise. They're yeah. going to have a, a a pretty strong information security infrastructure, and they will also have some muscle muscle memory and some procedures uh, that they have developed over time. Uh, then many times they'll take the lead. It kind of in the first stage of diligence, which is sort of the overview of the, um, you know, exactly what's the environment we're dealing with here, how sophisticated is the seller, uh, where are its risks, et cetera, you know, what, what are its, what's its compliance environment, and the lawyers will be involved in that as well. Uh, for some folks, again, depending on the situation, and even for large companies, if you're doing a major deal, uh, you're going to get uh, uh, some outside assistance as well. You, you may have some, you know, some forensic consultants in there, specifically if there have been data breaches in the past, if there have been other other issues, you know, that that elevate the the uh, the risk profile of cybersecurity or privacy concerns. Uh, then you'll you'll you know you'll you'll bring more uh, uh, firepower uh, to the uh, to the transaction. Some companies aren't like that. They don't have that kind of capability. So in in, you know, in smaller deals. Uh, uh, you know, you may have a situation where uh, it will be the lawyers that will, will take the lead or the lawyers and the company uh, lawyer suggestion may hire a consultant to assist in that process. So uh, the answer is, I guess, it, it very much depends on the, the nature of the transaction and the sophistication of the parties involved in it. Sure. So when we think about the different phases within kind of the due diligence, uh, within the different uh, uh, Different phases within a possible transaction: screening, due diligence, negotiations. You know, at what phase would you suggest cybersecurity or cyber risk be addressed? I think it needs to be front and center, and particularly at the uh, well. And again, I, I think this this is kind of goes for sellers as well as buyers. Um, sellers who know this is going to be an issue and uh, want to make sure that they can reassure. Uh, uh, buyers, they're well advised to get their act together in advance. Um, you know, e uh, buyers, want, sellers want to attract as much attention to their deal as they can. Generally, they want to get as as, as high a price. They love to have, in most situations, uh, uh, you know, competitive uh, uh, com competitive situation. And the more participants you have in that, the better off you are. Conversely, even if you don't want to do that, if you want to keep the deal uh, to a relatively small number of parties, 
the more you have your act together, the more you can you can go up when 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 that first when the buyer first starts looking at your your cyber environment, your privacy uh, uh, environment. If you can make them comfortable that you know what you're doing, you have a handle on it, you've got very good procedures and a good track record. Um, you know that that goes a long way. Uh, and I do think it's it's one of those things that you know when you do a deal. Um, you have to do some triage, right? There are a million issues in every uh, M&A transaction. Uh, you know, if you have world enough of time, uh, every cyber person, you know, it's, it's like a surgeon. Whatever the diagnosis is, let me cut you open and fix it. It, it. You know, if you're a cyber person, that's where you look. But, you know, you, you may have competitive situations where you, your, your due diligence opportunities are going to be somewhat limited and targeted. Um, in order to get through to next rounds, you may have some some more confirmatory due diligence at the end, but uh, you know you don't have the situation very often where you can sit down and spend three to six months, you know, checking out somebody's uh, uh, company. You have a limited period of time, so you have to do a, a risk assessment, and you kind of have to allocate resources, uh, you know, uh, based on your assessment of the risks. And obviously, the more sophisticated the risk assessor is, the better off. Uh, uh, that that process can be. So, uh, you know, it, it is something that needs to be done at the outset because unless you do it at the outset, you're not going to be able to engage in a really fully informed risk, risk assessment process to allocate those resources. Sure. And now how does that, um, you know, when you're talking about kind of uh, the front end transaction price and then you need to start spending more money into the diligence phase, does that affect valuation on the front end? And is the advice just then take the, the decrease in the valuation on the front end and, you know, rather than appreciating a possible loss on the back end? You know, it, it depends on, uh, you know, some, sometimes there may be ways to mitigate situations uh, that don't necessarily involve valuation. Sometimes if you're buying assets, you know, you may be able to carve out certain portions of, portions of the business that um, uh, you know that may represent risks or liabilities, potential liabilities that you don't want to deal with, and leave those with the uh, the seller to deal with. Um, there may be uh, other solutions in terms of mitigation, where, for example, if you know that you have a problem, uh, you'll have a representation uh, before you sign that will appropriately address it and ensure you that there that that's really kind of all there is, mm -hmm. and then uh, perhaps you'll have covenants. You know, because typically in most M and A deals. There's a you know you sign up the deal and then there's a period of time that, that goes by uh, before you close it. There's not an awful lot of, of big deals that have simultaneous sign and close regulatory approvals, all that type of thing you have to get. So that's not really practical. But what that does do is also give you give you time to maybe address some of those issues. Uh, you know maybe maybe resolve some compliance problems, try and get your arms around them, uh, and you can build in in certain situations conditions to close that if they're not appropriately resolved, you don't have to close the deal. Um, you know, so, so and then at the back end, there's insurance, you know, and uh, there may be for at least a portion. Uh, of course, the problem with, with rep, and, rep and warranty insurance it, it, is it's a wonderful thing, but it's typically going to be maxed out at about 10% of the, the deal size. Uh, and, you know, not every one of them is going to have good cyber and privacy coverage. Sure. Um, sure. It's become more common these days because it's become a bigger issue. But, you know, so, so that's not necessarily a, a, a complete um, a solution. But, you know, that, that's what you can do throughout the deal process to try and manage risk. Uh, the big thing that affects valuation are the unknowns. When you come in there and you find something that you didn't expect or that is much worse than you expected, 
that implicates the valuation that you're going to be willing to pay for that company. John, in your, in your experience, are you seeing an increase in deals that are actually engaging reps and warranties coverage? Oh, I think that's been the trend for years that, the, you know, uh, people have been getting uh, you know, rep and warranty, particularly in the private uh, uh, deal. You know, it's, it's almost something that um, uh, don't even come to the table if you're not willing to, to do that because, the, you know, and it's been a seller's market. So you can you can appreciate why it's like, no, I don't want to I don't want to have to deal with the uh, with the indemnity. I, I, I'll yep. take the insurance. Thank you. Yep. Sure. Sure. Well, John, you know, you shared a lot of good information with our listeners today. Um is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't get to ask you today? Uh, the one thing you may want to just keep in mind is, is, is this is a very dynamic regulatory environment. As we've seen that, you know, in, in uh, the past several years, high, high profile things, we talked about GDPR, California, several other states have got their own uh, cybersecurity and data privacy regulations, reporting re requirements that are a, a real patchwork. Um, and so it's very complicated and it's, it's something that, um, uh, again, for, for, for buyers, uh, getting your arms around it is becoming increasingly a complicated process. Um, and in addition to the things I talked about, there's even more if you're, you know, if you're, if you're subject to HIPAA or you've got other you know, industry specific privacy type considerations you've got to, you've got to be dealing with. So uh, it is a very much an evolving situation. Uh, it is increasingly a matter of regulatory concern. There have been federal bills that have been uh, introduced on covering some of these aspects, although mostly it's at the state level here. Um, but it is, it, it is. I guess the takeaway is it's it's not going to get easier. It's only going to get more complicated and more important to uh, you know for both parties to really scope these issues out early on in a in a potential transaction uh, so that they can be addressed properly and not throw uh, you know throw the deal have the deal fall apart or throw the timing uh, way off, which is often just as bad a result. Sure. John, thank you for taking the time today and coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks very much for having me.